You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be at this lovely Sunday. Uh, you are here live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's live call-in show. Ask the vet with Dr. Jeff. And the keywords there, live and call in. We want to hear from you. We want to hear about your pets. We want to hear about any issues you're having, any problems you're having, anything that you were just not happy. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I know these things happen because I had two such cases in one week. From just my client base, there's a great way to reach us. First of all, you can join us on Google Hangouts. If you go on to PetLifeRadio.com, you scroll down to under shows, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And our great producer, Mark Winter, has left you a it's a link to Google Hangouts where you can join us live here. If you have a little camera on your computer, then you can actually see us and join us and have your pet with you on your lap. And we can talk about anything you want to talk about. You can also call us. It's toll-free. 877-385-8882. So, and any questions you want to ask, anything you want to talk about, it doesn't even have to be a question. It could be a comment. It could be anything that you've read, anything that you've heard. There's so much new stuff going on out there. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for being here. More Than a Cone, raising awareness of animal wellness through the arts. Great events they put on every year. Uh, this is through Kong Veterinary Products. And what they do, I'm sure you've heard of Kong. So this is their veterinary division. And um, they put on these fantastic shows called More Than a Cone, where they they commission these world-famous artists to either incorporate those Elizabethan collar cones in their work, or they paint the cones. And some of those great designs are going going to go into their cone manufacturing. So instead of your dog wearing this embarrassing cone, or your cat is going to be wearing a work of art. Also, Save This Life Microchip. It is really innovative. It's a great, great microchip. It sort of takes a microchip and turns it into a GPS using your phones, your mobile phones. So it's really, really a, a cool concept. And of course, our new sponsor, Brevecto by Merck Animal Health. Brevecto it is a once every three month protection against fleas and ticks. It is oral. It is tasty. And honestly, it has become my new favorite. I, there are a lot of great products out there. Speak to your veterinarian. But um, I'm kind of liking this Brevecto. So anyway, as I often like to do, uh, if I don't hear from you at 877-385-8882, then I have to talk about certain things just to uh, maybe maybe I'll mention something that's going to strike a nerve with you. And you can say, oh, my God, I've wanted to talk about that or I want to know more about that. And um, so, you know, hopefully then I've accomplished something. But in the meantime, I just like to, you know, peruse the news, if you will. And um, I uh, there's some interesting things I've read in the last week, and I wanted to share them with you. First of all, and this one surprised me, and this surprised me in a good way, because I know that the, you know, I chose a profession, veterinary medicine for me was a calling. I've wanted to do it ever since I was five. I never went through that phase of wanting to do anything else. I had those blinders on, and I went through school, from elementary school to high school to college to veterinary school, knowing that I was going to be a veterinarian. And interestingly, it's one of those professions that a lot of my classmates felt the same way. You know, when you talk to most veterinarians, they're going to tell you that this is something they've wanted to do ever since they were little. I knew beat some that was a, a newer calling later in life. You know, one of my classmates, interestingly, loved animals, grew up with animals, but just never thought he had what it took to become a veterinarian. And he became an accountant. 
CPA. And he worked for, I think, close to 20 years as an accountant. And he was miserable for 20 years. So he sort of, he and his wife had the heart-to-heart discussion. You know, do I continue to do this for another, say, 30? Or go back to school, do that veterinary thing that I've always wanted to do. And even if I get 20 years in there, 25 That'd be great. Well, mind you, we've been out now for, this is our 33rd year of practice. So we've been out, completed 32 years. So I think it was a good move. And he became a veterinarian and absolutely loves it. So for some, it's, you know, it's something that is a a second career, if you will. But the state of veterinary medicine has been going through some pains, growing pains, survival pains of late. There were too many veterinarians graduated, not enough jobs. The job market, you know, not only being lean, but the pay was lean. You know, the cost of going to veterinary school is astronomical. So, so these students are getting out with two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt, and you know, an employee veterinarian salary. I mean, you're going to be, you know, have to work till you're two hundred to pay off those debts. So, it was really, really not a pretty picture. Well, a study just came out, economic study, and the the titling was: "It's a good time to be a vet." Low unemployment rising mean salaries. And interestingly, the applicant to jobs ratio is one or less than one, meaning one for one. So almost every applicant, of course, it's going to depend on where you want to work and what type of work you want to do, but the opportunities are out there. So for any of you out there listening or any of you have children that are talking about veterinary medicine, and it's truly a passion, for one thing I will tell you, and as I've told my kids, find your passion, whatever it is, because it's one thing, when you go to work and love it every day, it's pretty hard to burn out. When you go to work and hate it every day, oh, burnout's around the corner. So uh, encourage them. It is now, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to get in, but it is a good time to uh, consider veterinary school. I just uh, did this week, uh, I did a segment on Hallmark Channel's Home and Family. For me, it was like a good old home week because I was one of the original cast members back in the mid to late 80s into the early 90s on ABC TV's home show. And I had a weekly segment. Many of the, the, the executive producer, Woody Frazier, is the same. And my producer, Marty Tenney, is the same. So some of the people are literally have been with this show forever. The show you know, kind of died for a while. People liked it a lot. So it came back. Hallmark Channel picked it up. And now it's called Home and Family. And um, so I did a segment on winterizing your pets. And one of the things I talk about is don't be fooled by the fact that these Alaskan breeds like the Malamute and the Husky and the Samoyed, they're wearing their fur coats. They don't need anything else. They've got it all. And the truth of the matter is, no, they don't. Yes, they can withstand colder temperatures. Many, yes, they have the endurance. That's why they're sled dogs. But they can't just sit around and do nothing. If they're going to sit around and do nothing, and it's really cold with wind chill, it's, it's well below zero, they too need some protection. So if you can leave your pets indoors more over the next uh, several months during the heart of winter, if not, at least have them someplace in their yard that they have shelter. And I mean good four-walled shelter. And if you're, even if you're going to have like a doghouse, you can get a safe heater that gives some heat. You know, you can either mount it to the ceiling, the roof, so you don't have to have cords exposed and have the cords going out the back. But there are ways to keep it nice and warm. There are also really cool heated water bowls. They're water bowls so that they run a, a low current. They keep the water sort of obviously not hot, but it prevents the water from being frozen. So a dog, it's very hard for them to lick and get hydration through a block of ice. However, if there is some way to keep the water in the bowl 
and not freeze over, then that's very safe for them. So indoors is best, but if you're going to keep them outside and you have to keep them outside, make sure they get plenty of exercise. They have room to run. And if they can't, make sure they are really well sheltered from the cold. Oh, this is also interesting that an article came out that secondhand smoke and actually also thirdhand smoke, I didn't even realize there was a difference, but I will tell you the difference, can harm pets as well. So if you are a smoker, which you shouldn't be, but if you are, just know that when you're blowing out that smoke, uh, we call that secondhand smoke, that can affect your pets. Thirdhand smoke, what is that? That is where the smoke and the residues of smoke linger on furniture, on clothing, on your dog or cat's fur. And that too can be harmful. So of course, my recommendation is don't even think about smoking. But if you do, right by an open window, smoke outside, blow out an open window, just know that your pets are subjected to second or third hand smoke as well. This is something I read that I kind of liked and it's true. And I've always felt it. There is really no such thing as a bad dog. It is more their behavior. It is the bad people. But inherently, there's no such thing. So this woman of behaviorist writes that her name is Alice Crook. And she writes that it's really this breed banning is just not right because it is affecting most of the breeds, most of the dogs of that breed are probably pretty darn good. And case in point, the pit bull. And there are many municipalities that are outlawing the Rottweiler and the pit and maybe some, maybe a German Shepherd, you know, any of these dogs that are known to be aggressive, a chow chow. And when in fact, as I see from my rescue groups that I work with, and one of them being a chow chow rescue group, yes, they have certain tendencies, but it's all about the training. It's all about the rearing. It's all about the environment. And so you should not have these blanketed rules that every dog is bad just because a few of them potentially could be bad. And as I often say, there are more bites in this country by chihuahuas and cocker spaniels than there are from pit bulls. The problem is, is that the pits, as we know, and the Rottweilers, they get reported because the bites are much more severe, which is understandable based on their size and the strength of their jaws. Whereas a little nip you might get from a chihuahua, is, it's not going to hurt that much. There was a reason why that we often refer to the chihuahua as the land shark, because they are really tough to work with. And you got to have, you have to know the magic of how to work with them. And when you do get bit, it's not going to be that bad. Same thing with Cocker Spaniels. Cockers are fantastic dogs, but some of them out of fear might snap. And uh, again, it doesn't mean that, that you're going to start banning Cocker Spaniels. They're fantastic dogs. I mean, I'm, I'm more concerned about their ear and skin problems than they are than I am about their behavior problems. So something to keep in mind. And we have a couple more coming up. It is halfway part of the show. We're going to get to something that I want to talk about. We were going to call it the, when do you search for a second opinion? And uh, when you're having issues with your pet. So we'll talk about that when we come back out of our break. Don't go away. Remember, 877-385-8882. And if you haven't logged on to Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio, to think about doing so over the break and join us for the second half on our Google Hangout. Don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks. So trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. 
Put a puppy under the Christmas tree. Wait, you read it, not feed it. It's the dog with the opposable thumb. An accidental love story. The fun new book by award-winning author Mark Barkowitz. When an accidentally DNA-altered puppy is born with a thumb, his lovelorn grad student caretaker devises a strategy to achieve their Kardashian-like fame and fortune. It's funny, intelligent, and incredibly unique. And 20% of book sales benefit the Pasadena Humane Society and SPCA. The Dog with the Opposable Thumb is available now through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and MarkBark.org. Thumbs up to a howling fun book for the holidays. The Dog with the Opposable Thumb. Order yours now. On Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017, save the date for the 5th Annual NYC Retails and Sales Pet Product Expo. It'll be from 1 to 6 p.m. at Home Studios right in New York City. Plus, the presenting media sponsor is Pet Age Magazine. This event is a retail pet trade show brought to you by American Pet Professionals and Whitegate PR. It's an exclusive event for retailers and media. For more information, you can call Nancy Hassel at 631-446-1105 or myself, Dana Humphrey, at 619-414-9307. Plus, you can check out the website to learn more details at retailsandsalespetexpo.com. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Um, before the break, we were um, just talking about some different uh, news items. Uh, here's one that, that I like as a practitioner and a practitioner who treats a lot of cancer. And that is the Colorado State University School of Veterinary Medicine now, is working on a new drug. They just got the, the, they're, got the green light from the FDA to start uh, doing their testing. It's called Tenovia, and it's going to be a once every three week oral medication for lymphosarcoma. Lymphosarcoma being one of the most common cancers that are affecting our pets. And um, so far, the drug has shown a lot of promise, which is great because we're always looking for new and innovative ways to treat our canine and feline cancers. And this one, the fact that it's oral, something can be administered at home. So that's really cool. Anyway, one last thing before we talk about second opinions is there is a study that was out that apparently, which, you know, any of us who have worked with dogs, who see dogs, there are certain body language 
cues that dogs exhibit. And the success of us working, living with these pets, with our pets, is going to be predicated on our ability to recognize these cues. And the study was the more that we recognize, the faster we can recognize them, the better the relationship that exists, the stronger that bond between pet and its person. So, you know, I think that uh, to enhance a relationship, learn your dog's body language. They can learn ours, as you all know, They and we've talked about it here on the show. They can read our grimaces. They can read our blinking. They can pick up a lot of things. They sense a lot about us. We need to get as good as they are in reading their cues and sensing them as well. So um, just, just what I would recommend is just observe your dogs under different circumstances, different conditions, and see if you can figure out what they're trying to tell us. I had two cases this week alone that really sort of got me thinking about how important it is to, of course, you have to have, develop a great relationship with your veterinarian, but it's also good to listen to your own gut. And case one, and I, I still can't necessarily figure out how it happened or why, but I had a client that left Los Angeles a number of years ago and moved down to Palm Springs. It's about, for those of you who don't know, it's about two, 110, 120 miles away, about two hours. So she was having trouble with her cat, her cat that I was taking care of, a young cat before they moved. And um, she would call me every now and again, just give me an update on how the cat's doing. And uh, she calls me in somewhat of a panic. She's been to her veterinarian for a few times over the last uh, six, eight months. Cat has, as we call it, ADR, ain't doing right, and uh, has been losing weight, a little sluggish, not eating. And my mind is obviously turning about all the different possibilities. The blood work, including thyroid, because of course I'm thinking about hyperthyroidism, came back normal again and again. And what surprised me a little bit is this particular veterinarian is a veterinarian who used to also work here in the West Los Angeles area, extremely seasoned, great reputation, and older. He's been out probably for, if I'm out, this is my 33rd, he could be out for 35 to 40 years. And what is, one of the things that hit me is something we call complacency. So they want to drive up to see me as the second opinion. They sent me the blood work. They sent me the x-rays, nothing remarkable. And I, I get the cat out of its carrier and sure enough, looks pretty scruffy, tells me the cat hasn't been grooming himself as much, certainly lost some weight. And I, I am concerned. So I put my stethoscope on the chest. I start doing my physical exam. And to reiterate, I start doing my physical exam. And what that means is so many young doctors, especially forgot about the art of the physical exam, the art that if done properly and done well, that you will end up with a number of fantastic concepts, ideas about what's going on. So it is something that's so critical when it comes to the examination itself is the physical exam. So the chest sounds great. And I tell them it doesn't seem to be a heart problem. I then do what's called the palpation. And when you do a palpation, especially on a thin cat, which is even easier than a fat cat, you are starting usually at the cranial end, you know, just behind the rib cage, getting a feel for the liver, the stomach, if you can, if you can d delineate it, certainly the kidneys, certainly the bladder, certainly the intestines. And there it is. As I'm palpating the middle part of the abdomen, I feel a rock in there. And I looked at them right away. I said, here's your answer. There's a tumor in here. How it was missed, I have no idea. And um, 
Well, I, I do have an idea. And that is the most important part of the whole experience wasn't done. And that is the hands-on physical exam. Forget the lab work, forget the x-rays, forget all that. You got to do a physical. And that's going to give you hopefully most of your information. So sure enough, I get the ultrasound probe. I, I can delineate this mass. It fills to me based on its location and its look that it's a, what's called a mesenteric lymph node. I take aspirates of the node and sure enough, it comes back lymphosarcoma, intestinal lymphoma, which is something that's sort of treatable. There are different types in a, in a cat, well, in all animals that we call the B cell and T cell. The B cell is bad and the T cell is terrible, but they're both somewhat manageable, treatable. The B cells are better to treat. The T cells are more difficult, but even still, this was not rocket science. And this is my recommendation is when you are dealing with a problem and your veterinarian is not able to add any more to the picture and they come up against this brick wall and the tests are all coming back, not giving you an answer, then don't be afraid to say, hey, is there a specialist who does something like this in this realm? Or ask your friends if, you know, usually what happens, what I do in a case like that, and it happens, trust me, it happens. I say, you know what? All the things that I've been trained to do are not giving us an answer. So since I'm pretty sure this is a blank problem, whether it's neurologic, whether it's intestinal, whether it's orthopedic, whatever it is, I'm going to send you to a specialist, and that's all they do is this. And there's so many general practitioners that are afraid to refer because they fear it is admitting that they don't know something, which is really a dumb thing to do because most GPs, as I say, we are jack of all trades, but masters of none. So when you have that case, and that's going to vote us well 80% of the time because we're going to get our answer with the basics. But when you have something that's going to require more than that, these veterinarians should not be afraid to say, hey, you know what? I'm calling in the expert. And here's what happens from a business standpoint. If you find someone else on your own, even be it because you get out, you know, look at the computer, you go on the internet, you talk to friends, they tell you about their great doctor, whatever. And this doctor gets an answer and gets an answer fairly easily. So what's going to happen is then you are not going to trust your old veterinarian anymore. So your veterinarian thinking he'd be showing a weakness by referring is actually not because when they refer to the specialist and the specialist gets the answer, then you're going to love your veterinarian for referring. And you're going to still have that trust that your veterinarian knows when he or she has sort of met his or her match, met her limit, his limit, and then is going to refer you to the expert. When the expert, or if the expert can't give an answer, then you feel even in a way, I mean, obviously you're disappointed that you don't have a diagnosis, but you know that this case was so tough that not only could your great veterinarian not figure out, but even the expert couldn't figure it out. Again, you think highly of your veterinarian. So when you or if you've had experiences where you've been to your vet, test, 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 money, 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 money spent, and no answer, and he or she does not offer you the alternative of seeing an expert, seeing a specialist, and keep spending more money on more unnecessary or esoteric tests, it's time to rethink your relationship with this veterinarian. And if you do mention that maybe you should see a specialist, if they kind of, you know, sometimes I'll refer to a specialist, not necessarily because I don't know what the next logical test would be to run. It's that I could see, again, we were talking about reading cues, reading posturing. I could see that the client is getting a little frustrated. So at that point, you say, you know what? I think this is what's going on. This is the next test I'd like to do. But before we, you know, because I'm at that fork in the road, I'm going to refer you to a colleague of mine, and this is his specialty. And let's see what he says. 
And that'll kind of help us along. And then either I can, you know, if it is what I think it is, I can take over and treat accordingly. Or if you want, you can, you can have it treated there. And they appreciate, clients appreciate, you would appreciate that as a pet parent, if that's how your doctor handled the case. So when you are having issues, issues that are sort of beyond the scope of your GP, don't be afraid to ask for a second opinion. And a good GP will say, oh, absolutely great idea. I was thinking of that myself. Anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Bravecto, More Than a Cone, which is Kong Veterinary Products, Save This Life Microchip. And we will be here uh, same time next week. Maybe, maybe not. I may be out of town. Not sure yet. But either way, I will be here in uh, on, a, on a past episode. And um, if you have any questions, any subject matter that you like answered, please send me an email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And I will get back to you. We will read your questions live on air. And uh, hopefully I can help you out and give you a solution. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Maybe. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.